and thank you for joining us for another episode of Hope for Healthcare with Dr. Katie Cole in partnership with ICD Healthcare Network. Dr. Katie Cole is a holistic physician, organizational well-being consultant, and change agent, working with industry leaders and proven strategies to heal our national healthcare system and our culture of medicine. Stay tuned to hear today's speaker. Welcome everyone to Hope for Healthcare. This is a podcast in which we interview expert leaders around the country on best practices for healing our national healthcare system and culture of medicine. I want to extend a very warm welcome to my colleague, Dr. Marcelo Hockman. Dr. Hockman is currently the president of Independent Doctors of South Carolina. He is a double board certified head, neck, and facial plastic and reconstructive surgeon, founder of Charleston's Facial Surgery Center and past president of the Charleston County Medical Society. Dr. Hockman's mission is to put the power of choice back into the hands of patients and physicians and disrupt the healthcare bureaucracy that controls and limits options. Through independent doctors of South Carolina, Dr. Hockman promotes the independent practice of medicine to improve patient experiences and ensure that patients and physicians have alternatives and access to high quality doctor-driven care. IndyDocs unites tenured colleagues with doctors in training to provide valuable advocacy, assistance, and continued education, protecting the interests of doctors and patients into the future and building better medicine, not just better business. A fierce advocate for a healthcare system rooted in the choice of where, how, and with whom doctors and patients practice and receive care, Dr. Hockman champions legislative legislative projects such as the Certificate of Need Repeal, the Prohibition of Economic Credentialing and Non-Compete Clauses, and Tax Incentives for Individual Doctors who Provide Pro Bono Medical Care. He has continuously been listed in the Best Doctors in America and has received the Order of the Palmetto, South Carolina's highest award for his medical work. Well, welcome, welcome, Marcelo. It's wonderful to have you on Hope for Healthcare today. Thanks for being here. No, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I'm really excited for our discussion. I know for all of my followers, you know, I did make a big transition and I did move to South Carolina from California. And now I'm beginning to get rooted in South Carolina. And I had the pleasure of being introduced to Dr. Hockman recently. And I wanted to share what he is doing for the state of South Carolina, because I think it's really exciting and also gives me hope for our future. So, um, Marcelo, can you just tell our audience a little bit about your own journey with healthcare burnout and how you became so passionate about helping doctors retain our independence and uphold the sacred doctor-patient relationship? Sure. Yeah. The, so I started my career in academics. So I was uh, in academic medicine for 10 years. Um, and then I I loved it, actually, until I didn't when I realized that lots of the things that I wanted to do for my practice were going to be out of my control. So like I said, I really loved my time there. And then I went into practice, opened my own facility and uh, have been now in practice for over 25 years with still a very strong connection to the academic center here. And uh, in fact, I have a clinic there once a week. Uh, Residents come through my office but um, I'm not employed. Um, and that has made a huge difference in terms of my outlook on things. I also see patients who are insured, patients who are not insured, who don't have any kind of um, you know health insurance or um, are able to afford you know medical care. 
And I have patients who are cash paying, cosmetic, elective. So I'm able to see really the experience of all the patients. And I've also lived through being an employed physician and being independent and in charge, but still working partly within a system, you know, for some of the things I do over there. So I feel like the way I look at things has given me a really good perspective on what physicians are encountering and what patients are encountering and I have some strong opinions about how to fix that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we look forward to delving into that, Marcelo. Um, well, yeah, so I, and that's why I really wanted to have you on the podcast because you do have that broad perspective. You have mm -hmm. academic and corporate leadership experience as well as, you know, owning your own practice. So I'm curious, what is the biggest difference you've noticed between being self-employed um, versus, you know, being hospital and corporate employed? Clearly, the number one thing is autonomy and being in control. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of people sort of get scared about that. Well, I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to do that. So therefore, I can't be on my own. Mm -hmm. But it actually is amazing when you actually do have the control, how you quickly learn the things that you need to learn, or you seek out the resources that are out there. So you don't have to be an expert from the get-go to do, you know, if really what you want to do is practice medicine, there's really not a better place as far as I'm concerned than to set up the practice of medicine the way that you want it, mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to practice medicine within an environment that you have no control over. Um, that is a huge difference um, in in the way that my my life has evolved and my practice has evolved and what I can do for patients and just the feedback that we get. So I think that's the number one thing is to have control. And you mentioned the word hope originally, you know, if you don't have any control, you have no hope. Um, when you are in charge of things that you have or the variables that would make you happy or unhappy and you can act on those that's the key you know it's when you don't have access to those things that uh, you feel like well you know there's nothing I can do you know so mm -hmm. Well, interestingly, one of the actual factors and drivers of burnout is loss of autonomy and control, especially for physicians, because, you know, we're born and bred to have autonomy. We're born to be leaders of our teams, leaders of our patients and ourselves. And, you know, with the way healthcare has been going the past, like, probably 15 to 20 years, we've slowly been losing some of that autonomy over time. And when we try to provide feedback on how flow could be more productive in the front line, you know, a lot of times it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, right. So it, that's a big factor. So I'm glad yeah. to hear that that's improved for you, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and the reason most of us went into medicine mm -hmm. um, and, and the type of people that go into medicine are very driven. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't need a lot of incentive to work hard. You know, we do that because that's what we want to do, right? We want to help people and and most people going into medicine, certainly my generation, and, um, you know, it really is you just do whatever it takes 
The problem is that, you know, physicians are being driven by other things that are not necessarily the, the agenda items that we would have done on our own, you know, so you have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. You have to, it is not, there's, there's a lot of friction between what physicians want to do and what they're told to do, you know, and the polls show that over and over again, you know, the thing that physicians across the board, no matter whether they're employed, non-employed or whatever situation is that value the most is the satisfaction they get from the doctor patient relationship that trumps financial reimbursement. It trumps prestige. It trumps everything else. And, um, and when you ask doctors, would you do it again? Most doctors would say yes. What they might not do again is the circumstances under which they work, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that really gets down to the the core of what this whole burnout conversation is about. Is there is a discord between what we as physicians innately professionally would like to do and some of the agenda items that that you're obligated to do which don't necessarily fit with what you would have done had you had total charge or total choice over that so oh completely that goes into moral injury that goes in you know into even christina maslock talks about like the job person mismatch and you know even me as a young physician we're not trained in are necessarily our talents and skills. We don't have that leadership coaching in residency. So a lot of times we don't even know what kind of environment would be the best environment for us. And for me, I didn't even know my values and my talents at that point when I was in my twenties, you know, picking my, my first location. So I think it makes a difference when you know what you need and then you can pick an environment that's more suitable. And and that's key. Yeah. yeah, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but that's actually one of the things that that Indie Docs that we are, you know, really t- going to focus and trying to focus on is to get medical students, residents, mm-hmm. fellows to see what private practice is like. I mean, again, I'm older than you are, and my generation, we actually rotated through private practices. You know, it was an integral part of training, but now. If you want to be a pediatrician, it is very unlikely that in your, you know, seven years of medical school residency, you know, maybe longer than that, however it is now, that um, you would even have exposure to a private practice. So at the end of your training, you don't even know that that's a possibility. And that is a major flaw, I think, in medical education now, because you don't know what you don't know. If you've never been exposed to something and all your mentors are been raised in system medicine, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't even think about it. There's some some specialties where it's it's still an option that, you know, orthopedics, plastics, I mean, some of the surgical specialties, you know, the residents still know that that is an option coming out. But a lot of the primary care and uh, other specialties, they really don't see a way to do it on their own. And I think that's something that we need to change. 
Well, so how are you doing that for South Carolina in Charleston area? <laughs> well, you know, part of it is, you know, so through Indie Docs, which is Independent Doctors of South Carolina, is we're creating an organization where regardless of specialty, um, you know, whether you're a pediatrician or an anesthesiologist or uh, whatever, I mean, it doesn't matter. We are trying to get a big tent of independent physicians and in that reach out to medical students and all that. So for example, you know, the meeting that you're going to be attending and that we're going to talk about and all, you know, we're making it known to the medical schools, you know, that medical students are invited and we've reached out and it, it's a matter of education and exposure, you know, um, as far as other things is again, educating the public. You know, um, we are going to be in a lot of different ways, letting patients know that there is better care um, through facilities and practices that are not corporately owned. I mean, we've known that for years, but the patients have gotten, we've all gotten ourselves into a situation where now the hospitals are so big and the systems are so big and the third party payers, you know, are very much working with the, the hospital systems where patients end up just kind of being herded, you know, into these systems and don't realize that their independent OBGYN would be able to give them, you know, very good value quality um, and you don't have to do it in the hospital, you know, you don't have to. So again, for every specialty, there's an analogous thing, you know, where um, you we need hospitals. There are functions that hospitals, you know, do that we will always need them. But where I think that it has gone way too far is for the hospital systems to get involved in outpatient care. Um that is where we do, we independent physicians do a far better job yeah. than uh, than the systems do. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, and I think you hit the point earlier, you said, you know, there's a lot of creativity, you know, doctors are very creative, we think outside the box, you know, we're, we take an oath to help everyone you know, that comes our way. And, you know, with corporate healthcare and corporate outpatient practices, we're limited to who has insurance and if we can take them. And then, you know, there's, we can't give even discounts for patients that can't afford their copay. You know, there's like no leeway, but if it's a physician owned, you know, outpatient practice, then we have a better chance. We have a better opportunity, I think, to take care of a broad spectrum of patients who really need our help. Absolutely. And in fact, that those that particular thing is one of the reasons why I've gotten over the years involved in trying to what can we do to give the control back to the patient and to the and to the physician. Mm -hmm. um, so three things that I've worked on for for several years. Um, which sound kind of disparate, but they really together make sense, is one was the certificate of need repeal, which you know, we we finally got done, you know, a few years, I mean, a few months ago, actually. Can you um, explain that for those listening that might not understand what that is? Sure. So let me list the three things and then I can talk yeah. about, yeah, but so the, so 
the repeal of the certificate of need, which again, many people may not even know what that is, but all of us were impacted by that. Um, number two, non-compete clauses for physicians as a condition of employment. And number three, um, incentivize physicians to provide charity care. Mm -hmm. So for the CON or the certificate of need, that is a, it was a federal law enacted, you know, in the seventies. Um, and the idea was that <clears throat> the government was going to help as always, um, you know, minimize costs and minimize duplication of efforts and try to, it turned out that, you know, the program just didn't work, you know, so the federal law was repealed. I mean, the federal government actually just said, forget about it. We don't need to do this. But in the meantime, many states, all states had adopted some form of CON. So what that did is that once you have a law in place in the state, for example, now you have special interests, right? So there's people who are against it and people who are for whatever that regulation is. And it turns out that the CON was a permission slip, basically, that you had to get from the state where you had to show that there was a need for a particular facility, service, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the if you wanted to build an imaging center or if you wanted to have a birthing center, you had to get a CON, you had to get a certificate of need from the state. Well, part of the problem is that those who already had certificates in hand could actually block a new person wanting to establish. So for example, if you want to open up an MRI center, all the hospitals in the area would contest that application and drag it out for years legally. And, um, and most physicians just don't have the financial resources, you know, to, to fight that. Right. And there were South Carolina had the most, the ninth most restrictive CON law in the country. So it's like McDonald's being able to tell Burger King that they can't build across the street. Well, the reason that they actually do that <laughs> is because competition is good. You know, it's good for McDonald's, it's good for Burger King, and it's good for the person who wants to eat at either one of them, right? And that's mm -hmm. why prices are always, you know, pretty well balanced. Same thing with Home Depot and Lowe's, you know, they're mm -hmm. always across the street from each other um, on purpose, you know. Well, with the CON, on purpose, people were being kept out of the market. So you couldn't go to an independent surgery center in Charleston. There wasn't one because the hospitals wouldn't allow it to happen. So if you needed a carpal tunnel release or if you needed a breast biopsy or if you needed, you know, a, a knee arthroscopy, it had to be done in a hospital setting, which means hospital prices. Um, so it took us five or six years to... Um, to repeal it. And, and it actually, as of this summer, the certificate of need is gone, except for a couple of things. But within a year and a half, it'll be gone for everything, including hospitals. That's huge. Which means, yeah, it's huge. So yeah. what that does is that it opens the door for anybody who wants to build a birthing center, a drug rehab center, a 
CT scan, an imaging center, a urology, whatever it is, and you're willing to risk it and you're willing to, uh, to do it, you can do it now. You know, you don't have to, obviously you have to be licensed. You have to meet all those requirements, but there's nobody who's going to tell you, no, you can't do that because we don't want the competition, which is what the CLN did. The second thing is non-compete clauses for doctors. So about half of the states, not including South Carolina, exempt physicians from non-compete clauses as condition for employment. So what that does is having a non-compete clause, you're a fellow or a resident just finishing your training and, you know, you see the job that you want and, and, um, and you have to sign a non-compete clause, which means that three years from then, when you decide, no, oh, maybe I want to try something else, you need to move, right? Because the non-compete clause doesn't let you practice medicine within a certain mileage and for mm -hmm. a certain amount of time. Um, now your family's entrenched and your kids are in school and I mean, all those things, you know, and now... And you just don't want to be where you are. I mean, we all change. I left academics after 10 years, you know. Um, but, um, you know, we all change. I mean, we all want different things. So as a resident or a fellow, you may have written off the ability to stay within a certain geographic area for a certain period of time just by taking a job. And as part of the paperwork, you've signed a non-compete clause. Okay. That's wrong. I mean, and it's it's bad for doctors and it's really bad for patients because now, you know, the patient that you've been treating for the last few years and you have a relationship with and you decide you want to go into private practice and you're forced to move 30 miles away, <clears throat> that patient may not be able to follow you, mm -hmm. right? So that patient now gets herded in the system they're just assigned a new, quote, provider, right? And I, hate, uh, I do not like that word at all. I don't either. And that's why I put it in quotes. <laughs> oh, so I know we're so, more providers, you know. But, you know, so now they're assigned somebody else and they may, they want to follow you. They want to, you know, they had a good relationship with Dr. Cole, you know, they want to go see her. Well, now they can't, you know, not everybody can drive. 20 miles, you know, elderly people oh, or yeah. plus it's a choice. So that's the thing that gets me the most is that the patient's choice and right to choose their physician and follow their physician is abridged by an administrative decision. It's a purely business decision that is now keeping a patient from following mm -hmm. their doctor. Mm -hmm. So there's not only, I think, a a real issue i mean just morally you know just um but legally also i mean you're abridging somebody's rights to choose something so so that's the fight for this next couple of years is that's the next thing that we're we're kind of taking on now um but there's really good it's a good environment right now because everybody's realizing how not having choices is is just not good, whether it's whether being able to build something or being able to choose your doctor. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you know, you may have all the intention of the world to treat this patient 
pro bono because of their condition, you know, financially, if you're employed, you can't get them in the hospital. And I know this from experience over many, many years. However, in my office, I can treat whoever I want. I can charge them whatever I want, whatever they're willing to pay. And if there's somebody who I want to treat free, charitably, I can do that. And nobody tells me yes or no, you know. So that's the third thing, and that is to incentivize charity care. And, um, you know, so hospitals, you know, get a lot of tax benefit from, quote, charity care. Yeah. But that 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 term charity care is kind of a wastebasket term that includes undercompensated care, you know, um, so they bill, the hospital will bill, you know, a hundred dollars and they only get $50. So now they say they've provided $50 worth of charity, mm -hmm. which is very different <laughs> than not charging anything mm -hmm. for something that would have cost $50, right? So, but the physician the individual doctor who may be providing that care gets no benefit, right? But the hospitals get hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, in the state of South Carolina, this is a little bit older number, but the hospitals in aggregate in, in South Carolina, you know, had... Um, profited over a billion dollars on charity care, you know, wow. just because of the way the tax codes are written. And I mean, it's all an accounting thing, right? So what we did some years ago, we helped um, Senator Scott, Tim Scott, who's our senator and, you know, recently dropped out of the presidential race and all that. But we helped put together a charity care bill, which was didn't go anywhere federally, but what it does is that it gives a physician, the actual doctor, a tax incentive to provide charity care. So for example, I treat somebody, and this is, and there are lots of guidelines, you can't get rich off of this. I mean, there's all sorts of, but if you meet all the requirements, if you provide a hundred dollars, you know, something that Medicare would have paid you a hundred dollars for but you meet all these guidelines and ahead of time you're saying, I'm doing this for free, you would get a hundred dollar tax credit, you know? So I don't know a doctor who wouldn't provide free care if he or she was given the opportunity to do it. You know, <laughs> it's just part of who we are, right? And it's part of what medicine is, is about. So what we're doing is we're taking that bill modifying it for South Carolina so that um, we have income tax here in, in South Carolina. So it would be a South Carolina tax credit for the doctor who's providing that care. That's a little bit farther down the road because it gets very complicated with, you know, it's because it affects the state coffers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but, if a doctor could provide whatever services he or she wanted, i.e. no certificate of need, and that doctor could practice wherever he or she wanted, i.e. no non-compete clauses, and that doctor 
could receive incentive to provide charity care, those three things together change a lot of things for a very small state like ours, you mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. And, um, and patients would have the choice. They would have the ability to go wherever they wanted to go. And, um, and that's a win-win for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. so. Well, I mean, I just want to say thank you for all the advocacy work that you are doing in in the legislative area as well. It's it's very um, hopeful to hear about all this, and you know, if if you know, we if South Carolina can be doing this, other states can be doing this too. So I think exactly it's to get the word yeah. out and how to get started. So it sounds like Indie Docs is sort of your organization for helping doctors learn more about how to get started with this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been involved with other organizations. The CON repeal was kind of something that we started when I was president of our medical society. Um, but Indie Docs, the, the special thing about Indie Docs is that we're getting together like-minded physicians, right? So not everybody wants to be independent, you know, or to have a private practice. Some people may love being employed. Like I said, I loved it until I didn't, and then I changed. But there may be people who are perfectly happy doing that, and that's fine, you know. But the agenda of independent physicians is very different than the agenda of employed physicians or their employers, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what IndieDocs is about, is, you know, it's an organization that regardless of specialty, we all have the same needs and pain points and, you know, all those kinds of things. So if we're all on the same page on most of those things, then we can do things, you know? So, um, so that's what, what, why I think this organization is a little bit different than what exists in South Carolina for sure. So. Well, um, so if any one of any one of our physicians are interested in joining Independent Doctors of South Carolina, how would they go about that? Well, as usual, there's a website. <laughs> <laughs> there's not an app for that yet, but, there is, <laughs> but <clears throat> and that's either Independent Doctors of South Carolina or Indie I N D E Docs D O C S dot com, and um, and of course my email and phone numbers available through you. I mean, for anybody who wanted to, to reach out, you know, but, um, but we're, you know, I think it's an exciting time. It really is. I think the tide is turning back towards doctors. I think doctors don't realize how much leverage we actually have and how much power we actually have. And the patients are on our side too. We know we're on the patient side, but um, in order to be able to do the things that that we want to do for our patients, we need to be in charge of that. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what I, I think is exciting. And certainly in South Carolina, I mean, those three things, if we can get, we've got one done, if we can get the other two things done, it it truly changes a lot of things, a lot of things for, for doctors and patients, so. Well, absolutely. Um, And for everyone listening today, I will have all this information posted on LinkedIn and social media, as well as under Dr. Hawkman's bio page on my website. So you'll have access to all this information. And, you know, Marcelo, is there any last words of wisdom that you want to leave for our audience or or anything that you want to say to physicians? 
to leave a message yeah, for doctors i think you know honestly the um the burnout problem is a system problem it is not a doctor problem you know if given a, a doctor given the opportunity to do what he or she wants truly wants to do and set up the environment in which they want to practice medicine the burnout thing goes away you know i mean not that it's hard it's a hard profession i mean all those kinds of things but the you know in the old old days like even before i went to medical school doctors got burned out kind of at the end of their careers because they have worked so hard and they had missed their kids baseball games and whatever whatever but they were really happy doing it you know now doctors are burned out about things that we're not happy about i mean that we have no control over you know so the burnout equation has kind of changed the root cause of it is not the doctor it's not the doctor it's the environment in which that doctor is forced to 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 act so my i guess my my words of wisdom <laughs> would be is that there's there are options there are alternatives to all that you know and uh the more control that you have over your life, I mean, the better every part of it becomes. I mean, I truly believe that. And the more options there are and the more alternatives there are, you know, what's good for me may not be good for you, but as long as you and I get to choose, we're probably both going to be okay, you know, so. Well, I mean, that's the thing. And, and you also brought up the point earlier, how you can have a bridge <laughs> career where maybe you still have your foot in academic medicine and you're maybe doing some work in corporate healthcare as well yeah. as private yeah. and it's not an either or it's not an either or exactly it, it's but it's it's being able to have the choice to do that yes. to know that you can control that not feel like i'm just stuck you know that's a horrible feeling you know yes and and definitely contributing to physician burnout even the suicidal ideations right. physicians and the rate. So um, and this is a really important topic. I don't think we're talking enough right now about options for physicians and how we can take back our power and authority and autonomy. And I think I hope that this conversation is ongoing and continuing. I hope so. <laughs> yep. But I look forward to seeing how the rest of your projects, you know, move along. And I'd love to be part of that as well, since I'm now in South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. And um, again, I'll have all of Dr. Hockman's information on social media and the bio page as well. And so I wanna thank Dr. Hockman for being here today and taking time out of his busy day to educate us on the projects that are moving forward in South Carolina. He's in- I appreciate the yeah. opportunity for sure, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much.